So welcome back to Hit Refresh podcast. So first episode of season 2. So we are thinking we'll do something special, right? And we want to talk about this current buzzword that's going around. Like everyone's talking about NFTs. What are NFTs? Uh but before that we got to know what's blockchain. So what is blockchain? But then before that you got to know what's web 3.0. What is this web 3.0? What 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 was web 1.0 and 2.0? I never heard about those things. So let's I I take a quick walk through through them but the special thing about this episode is that we have with us an expert sam kamani and we'll get to him in a short while so first i'll just introduce this these two terms to you so that you know what we are you're getting into right so web 1.0 was the initial overview of what internet was right between years 1991 and 2004 internet was basically just a bunch of static pages and whenever you loaded them that it just shows some stuff and it was labeled as read only because there was there wasn't much logging in or interacting with posts like you do nowadays or you view analytics or anything like that now web 2.0 when you come to web 2.0 tim o'reilly was the person who popularized that term and he's the founder of the o'reilly media so he describes web 2.0 as the business revolution in the computer industry caused by the move to the internet as a platform now it is a phase where emphasis was on user generated content ease of use participatory culture and you know interoperability of the end user so this is where google adsense flickr bittorrent and napster and everything came through so now that you know you have an idea because you you have gone through this i assume unless you were born in the 2000s like recently you might not be too familiar with web 1.0 but you know web 2.0 and you are the future will inevitably be web 3.0 and everyone will be connected with it so we have with us an expert he's the host of the podcast web 3 with sam kamani which i recommend highly for everyone to check out that's like one of the best sources to know about all of these topics because it's explained in a very easy way so welcome sam thank you so much for coming here Oh thank you thank you Tejas for um welcoming me um hi Pranav it's good to be on the show and so excited to talk about web3 nfts decentralization and so many of these topics so yeah so let's let's get into it uh, before we begin i'll give a bit of a background about myself as they just yes. mentioned I am the host of the web3 podcast with Sam Kamani um available on all sort of all podcasting platforms apart from that i've been involved in tech startups for the last 15 years i've had two small exits um i have also written an amazon bestseller the 30 day startup which was about 4 5 years 4 3 4 years ago um and i speak at events all the time i'm also um founder of a web3 startup called insider e n s y d r insider.com and yeah so that's that's in short um a bit about me i'm also helping a nft project uh, based in la and working with um couple of um hollywood celebrities to launch their sort of nft marketplace but that is sort of still working in stealth that projects i cannot reveal a lot of um information about that particular project but apart from that um anything else is all fair and yeah so so let's get into it yeah oh that's amazing so pranav let's do the honors 
Yeah, so Tejas now has defined Web 1.0 and 2.0 for the listeners. So we actually wanted to hear uh, Web 3.0 from your side, your side. So can you explain Web 3.0 in the simplest way that uh, layman can understand? Yes, yeah, sure, sure. So actually, the thing is that um, the concept or the word Web 3 has started to mean um, something different over time compared to what it was initially labeled. Um, initially, it was labeled for semantic web was called the Web3. What that means is that the web that can um, understand. Um, so for example, right now, anything you search on Google, it goes via keywords and all the information on the internet goes via links. So it does not really understand the meaning behind it. Whereas with uh, Web3, with semantic web, it understands the meaning. So that's how it started. But what in this day and age, in, in 20, later 2021 and early 2022, what Web3 actually means is a lot of people associated with decentralization, they associated with metaverse, they associated with DeFi, decentralized finance, um, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, um, and, and, and in short, innovation of money and and um, innovation of sort of power structures or decentralization. That's what it has started to be associated. This term has started to be associated with it. Um, another example I would like to give is say, think of web one as read and write. There was just static information on the web. So you can read, or you can create your own web pages. You can write, um, web two was the rise of social media like twitter like facebook like instagram it was read write and share so you started to read write and then you started to share your life you started to share your posts your comments your reddit all those sort of things whereas web3 takes it to next stage and that is read write share and also own um, what I mean by that is that as a user of Facebook, you don't own Facebook, but now in the Web3 world, if you are interacting on a platform, you would own the tokens of that platform. So it is in your interest that the platform does better because you do better. So in a way, you are a shareholder. Um, probably you cannot use the word shareholder because it's not listed on a stock market or anything, but you have a vested interest in it. So um, how platforms have managed to do this is that they do something like ENS did, which is, so say if you have a Web3 username, like um, I own samkamani.eth. Um, and so if, say, if you own a username um, or, or a URL, a Web3 URL, um, which is dot ETH or um, maybe from unstoppable domains, but for ENS, they gave a um, sort of a airdrop. And so anyone who owned that would own their ENS sort of tokens. And, and then so everyone who owns domains in with ENS has their own tokens. And now um, you're not only a customer, you are also an owner. So imagine you used Twitter extensively and suddenly you started to own part of it. And with um, things like DAOs, you would have the ability to say what you want to do. Um, um, and you could influence the decisions that how the organization is run. And if enough people with enough um, tokens in a DAO voted that, hey, 
we want things to be done differently. We want domains to now cost this much, or we want this decision to take be taken or change the CEO, or we don't like the direction the company is going. The end user would have the power. Now, a lot of these things are theoretical. Um, it has to be seen more in real life and we are still in very very early days so there is a lot of hope there is a lot of promise uh but yeah we are still in very early days we are in like sort yeah, of day yeah. one <laughs> exactly exactly so like for a lot of web 3.0 to actually occur you need a lot of devices for it and every user should have that one device and it should be accessible to everyone but one question that uh, comes up is that theoretically we know what it's like it is able to do and what we can expect in the future. But what are some like real life applications that you think that Web 3.0 or like really what you could do? What is already happening? Yeah, yeah, what is already happening? The the biggest thing that is happening is on the, on the fundraising side um, of things. So um, a lot of these Web3 projects haven't needed the type of funding that the previous Web2 projects from US or from other parts of the world used to get to start with. Um, because now it is possible to, to create your own um, sort of a decentralized token or or some some sort of a decentralized organization create your own token and and share it with everyone and yeah and and so on so a um, lot of the projects are getting much much bigger and getting a lot more um, usage organically because the users are invested in it itself so it's like because the users also own it so they promote it as well so in the how the startups are being run how they're raising money is is changing very fast in the web3 world that is the one particular thing i have seen to give you an example like the brand supreme it like um, they make clothes and bags and all sorts of things and they are the brand sort of is worth kind of like their sales probably around three billion or something like that and and at the same time um, the board Yacht club is worth around similar amount um, whereas the supreme has thousands of employees and it took them 25 years to get to where they are right now it was a different story for board ap yacht club it took only 40 members to get to 3 billion us dollars sort of a market cap or something like that you can say and only took them seven months and they didn't start with much funding at all they just had their own sort of personal savings and stuff so these sort of things are possible in web3 which weren't possible before in in the web2 world or or in the old school world uh, so how safe is it really and how should we expect uh, it to turn out in the future? So it's a it's a very interesting question because um, the blockchain technology by itself is extremely, um, extremely safe and extremely robust. However, how it is implemented and how it is used can be very unsafe to to give you an example like um if you are on discord and all nft projects are on discord um there are so many so many scams on discord and so much spam as well that you have to be really careful because everything is so new when everything is so new there 
um, it is like the wild, wild west of of the technology world. Uh, and that happens in any industry. When things are new, there are no rules and regulations. Anything goes and people are still trying to figure out. And some people are a lot more technologically advanced and some people are still learning. So it is it is always seen as an opportunity by not so good characters to take advantage of people who don't know a lot to give you an example of the one of the most common scams that happens on discord that i have seen myself happening in discord is that is that say you join the nft project you had some difficulty you try to um, write a message in the customer support channel of the um, of a project that hey i bought this nft or i did this or i've minted an nft and i'm having trouble or i need some help and then someone will send you a message some random person but their name would look like as if they are for the stuff who worked from the support um yeah. but if you i mean their nickname but if you look at their username it's something dot something something um instead of and then they would say that hey you go here and it will be sorted and stuff and when you go to that it would be like a phishing page which looks very similar to the original yeah. page but a hyperlink would be slightly different if you really pay attention if you don't you'd just mistake it and it would say log in with your wallet metamask wallet or whatever wallet you are uh, log in with your passcode and activate and then your problem will be sorted and then it's it's just a phishing site which happens in the web 2 world as well but here everything is so new and people don't really know what they are doing yet so there are there is still a lot of um um things that you have to be really careful about and the thing with web3 is that a lot of it is completely decentralized so there is no customer service if you are completely taking part in a DeFi project um and swapping some DeFi coins with someone else and you enter wrong wallet address or you you do something like that there is no customer service there is no one <laughs> um yeah. who do you who do you call there, there is no bitcoin bank you know it's like uh <laughs> yeah. if you send it to the wrong address you make a mistake something that is that that is that um yeah, it's you. gone that that's on you completely on you so it is um complete sort of personal responsibility so um it is still for tech savvy people but having said that i meet with lots of founders and people who work in this space um you know but because whenever there are challenges there are opportunities you you can see look at it like that and i meet founders and people who work in this space um who are working in sort of securitized tokens or things like that and they are building infrastructure they are starting organizations where they help people because there are a lot of wealthy people who want to invest money in all these these sort of things they don't understand so these people come in they work as the middle party they take the guarantee they do everything for you and so you can do things like that so anyone out there listening and because there will be a lot of need for young people to go and help all these um older people with money who want to get involved and they will need these sort of um, guarantees. They'll need these sort of funds to manage, um, yeah, manage their sort of um, assets yeah. and stuff. So, so yeah, at the same time, that means there's opportunity because yeah. there's complexity. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah like a lot of misinformation as well, like floating around, especially because as you said, like exactly like everyone's learning, even we as 
like yes, absolutely. Are learning about it. Yes. Every yeah, everyone yes is learning. I just saw a meme today that um, because there's so much happening, this space is moving. You know so much faster one year in the web3 crypto world blockchain world is equal to like 10 years in the other sort of um the web2 technology and even the yeah. web2 space used to move fast like that startup space used to move yeah. fast this is moving 10 times faster so um it's like i saw a meme today that you know it's like your letterbox it's like so small <laughs> and someone's put, trying to put like a whole sofa set type of the, that type of a big thing in that yeah. that's the amount of knowledge every day coming yeah. out in web3 and your brain or your time you have is so little <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah yeah so it's very true so, so one clarification just for the user, like listeners right now, is that we've heard words right now uh, by Sam saying like tokens and blockchain. So we'll get into that. We'll get into tokens because especially NFT is one another thing which we want to discuss in the this episode absolutely, itself. Absolutely. And but before we get into that, what's blockchain? Right. Like everyone must have heard what cryptocurrency you must have heard bitcoin more than blockchain and that is i feel that's like the sad part of like social media at this point because everyone's <laughs> hyped up bitcoin so much that people don't even know what cryptocurrency or cryptography or anything of that sort is yes so I, yes so so i mean i'll try and explain it in in very very sort of simple yeah. terms that um to me it is just like a database so uh so to give you an example um, you know, where do you store all your data? It gets stored currently in database. You store it at Google, you know, Google Drive, Dropbox, wherever it might be, or your um, or, a, or a spreadsheet. So spreadsheet is like a database. Um, the database concept takes the spreadsheet to um, to the another level sort of a thing. Um, and it sort of manages your data, all the data, whether it's in banks, whether it's on online, anything you see, it is currently stored in databases. And those databases are in data centers, data centers like AWS, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, um, all these places. And it's pretty much in a centralized location. It would be a big sort of a data center. All the data will be stored in the hard drive. Um, and they do it for everyone and they charge. So say if you start a startup tomorrow, um, you're building some, I don't know, say team management or HR management software that people use SaaS product, um, like software as a service product, then you'll probably use the data um, sort of um, storage at AWS. You'd use a database like MongoDB or Postgres or something like that, and then um, Google Cloud, Alibaba Cloud, or Ali Cloud, or like there's so many, so many um, cloud service providers, and they all do the database. And pretty much a lot of our growth in the last two decades came by because we could manipulate data, we could do it on the cloud, we could um, deal with data in like big databases allowed that to happen um and the same thing with with what blockchain does is it stores say data in small blocks that are distributed all around the world um and that's why it is so hard to for someone like a hacker to go in and just change a little bit of data and and all the transactions on on ethereum for example like uh, which is another sort of a blockchain um it is are visible so say if you buy something on on ethereum you can see 
where the money went from, who it went to, like, the, I mean, the wallet address, not who is associated with the wallet, but the wallet address, because the data is on is on on the chain. And and that's that's another sort of a topic on chain storage and off chain storage, uh, because you can do some sort of a hybrid type of things as well these days or just store all your data um, on the on the blockchain so basically it is now taking the whole concept of of the databases to the next level um, and that is blockchain is distributing all the data so your data is not just with facebook or your data is not just with aws your data is distributed uh, all, all around the world and this way no one can just go and delete one place and and people lose because it's so distributed that it's um yeah it's immutable in a way so yeah. Yeah. so that's the concept of blockchain but then this concept is applied to to money you can say in in the case of of bitcoin and and hence and since bitcoin is the first one um th there are reasons why bitcoin became a trillion dollar asset globally and that is that first of all no one really knows there's a lot of speculation but no one really knows who started bitcoin it's not like you know um a bank that you know okay this is the bank's headquarters where is bitcoin's headquarters there are no bitcoin headquarters and it is very hard to take bitcoin down just like china banned bitcoin doesn't matter other countries other i mean not countries but other individual people took up that um sort of took up the mantle from that like kazakhstan and now kazakhstan's having revolt so other countries will take up so that does not mean that the network completely went down and that is the end of it so and that's why it's very very hard because there is no sort of central command and that is by design so that's why it is completely impartial um but that is not only one there's so many different innovation happening on different types of blockchain like layer one blockchains layer two blockchains that sit on top of layer one blockchains so the whole space is moving super super fast <laughs> at the moment yeah. right no uh, like even for like nfts for that example like in 2020 there were like the market value was like 100 million and in 2021 it became 22 billion so this, yes exactly this right sudden growth of everything nowadays is so fast so okay yes. so one question that uh, comes in mind for example for like com when we talk about blockchain is that there's one topic related to blockchain which is really like the top of the discussion right now which is yes. that the energy consumption of yes. blockchain is exponentially high and we have found that even for the energy consumption for mining bitcoin itself is uh, more than like some small Argentina countries or yeah, yeah yeah it is it is so so the thing is that it depends on what technology there is used so for example like um, bitcoin uses proof of work where people have to solve complex math i mean people by people i mean computers um how to solve complex mathematical um calculation to prove their work so hence proof of work and to and these calculations to solve gradually they get more and more complicated and they consume more and more energy and that's how bitcoin works but the how bitcoin is mostly used around the world is as a store of value 
um, it is not Bitcoin is not used to mint NFTs or anything like that, you know, um, whereas there are other concepts. Um, blockchain does not have to work just by proof of work. Um, there is a concept called proof of stake. So say um, you own part of um, a certain part of a certain or a certain number of tokens, you can stake it. And then that means that you have it. So um, proof of stake is another concept and that is very energy efficient. Um, there are even more that that's not just one. There are probably, you know, 50 different models or different ways blockchains can work. Some are as energy efficient as Visa or MasterCard. Um, Solana, which is another cryptocurrency, uses, um, I think, proof of history or something like yeah. that. Um, um, I mean, that doesn't mean it doesn't have challenges, but there are challenges. But it's just like um, having the, the first wooden wheel there is a lot of friction it is not going to be as good as a michelin tire or a pirelli or a mrf tire or anything like that we get today um so saying that oh the this wooden wheel there is so much friction we should be just carrying it in in buckets um it's so bumpy the wooden wheel on a on a sort of a brick road so it, we are still in in very very early days um bitcoin was like what 2008 2009 something like that um and it has and after that so many blockchains have come that are super efficient now bitcoin and blockchain we have established so our listeners at least have some idea of what blockchain is now again obviously the this episode itself is not enough to tell you everything about blockchain. So if you're really, this is basically like an introduction to this topic and this really yeah. thing that's going around nowadays. So obviously if you want to know more, uh, you can firstly check out Sam's podcast, Web 3.0, NFTs, Metaverse, everything's discussed there. So don't forget that. Otherwise, internet is a place filled with knowledge. Absolutely. If you use it for your, well, for your own growth, it's the best place. So coming to NFTs, non-fungible yes. tokens, the one word that if you're a Gary Vee follower, then you know this has been happening since like, uh, I guess six Last months eight, before. Nine, he, yeah, yeah. yeah he eight, nine months or something, yeah. Yeah. So if you're a V friend, then you're, I guess you're already mostly into it and you're mm -hmm. probably uh, exchanging NFTs every day. So NFT, as I have already mentioned, it's ex like it exponentially increased in 2021, right? It went from 100 million in 2020 to 22 billion. That is a that is a wild amount of growth for anything, and especially because it's the new age, that you, you got to believe it because that's that's what that's how fast technology grows nowadays. And especially because everyone's so interconnected, then the word of mouth also spreads faster, and this is a very good thing. So. One thing I wanted to ask you, Sam, is that Gary Vee has said that in the future, every person will own an NFT. Is that, That's inevitable. And even like, for example, a flight ticket to some place would probably be an NFT. So is that a possibility? And how, like, how do you view the application of an NFT in the future? Now, I guess it's a bit constricted to art. And uh, we know the benefits it does for like a musician or for any content creator out there. And uh, so what what are your opinions on this okay so the the thing is that it is it is always hard to tell um you know the what the level of adoption would be when you are in the early days 
because new technologies are born out of it. Um, just like saying that, um, you know, when when the mobile phone was just being introduced and they were like a brick or used to get pager and saying that everyone will use a, everyone will have a pager in future. Um, in a way, it's true. In a way, it's not. I mean, in a way, we have a pager. Someone can text message you and then you never reply back to them and you have a pager. <laughs> um, but in a way, it's not because what we have is way, way, way more advanced yeah. than a pager. So so same thing with um, NFTs, that that's what we have now. But that does not mean that we are going to stop at that. We are, that is it. The innovation is done. If nothing else yeah. is going to come after that. So what we might own in future, everyone might own, is could be something completely different. And and you have to we have to realize that not everyone is going to be that technically savvy. There are still a lot yeah. of people out there without smartphones in the world there's probably you know one or two billion people out there in the world without even smartphones let alone yeah, yeah. it's like um to give you a random random <laughs> random fact it's like whenever my mom wants to log into facebook um she never remembers her password so she creates a new account every single time so <laughs> so to for me to expect her to use an nft it's a it's a far-fetched thing you know um so so yes yes i i know where gary v is coming from because all the people that he connects with that he meets that he communicates with on a day-to-day -day basis are in the same technological yeah, right, sphere yeah. so it's yeah. very easy to to just see that and it's so easy for us like i often talk with other founders in this space and web3 space they're all building big companies they all have two three hundred employees and we always try and remember that look we are building products but we are building it for the the common man yeah. <laughs> we are not um yeah and who might not who like you go and ask someone on the street, what's your MetaMask wallet address? Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean anything to anyone at this stage. Um, and, and that's just the fact. Um, yes, it will be, there is a lot more utility to NFTs that, um, <clears throat> that people haven't seen yet. Um, and that is being developed all around the place. There's a lot of um, utility being developed around NFTs um, that, we haven't seen yet or that is just starting to come around so for example say you buy an nft that is like a shoe um for one of your um like character or something yeah. but then you can take this nft into any different metaverse like a decentraland or this or the sandbox project or or facebook's meta or anywhere you know um you can take it to and then you can put that shoe on any of your characters and it would have yeah. interoperability where it, you can um take it around and stuff that's just one example but the biggest sort of example is the is the easiest one is the ticket because each nft has a unique sort of a token number or a unique number and so that could be your number that you can show in a in your digital wallet when you go to a concert go to a cricket game or or any anywhere you can show that the thing is you can take a screenshot of the of an nft but your digital wallet is not going to contain that token number and you cannot use it as access so that that is the easiest thing to to see um but having said that um yes there is still a long while to to go for to get to that point 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, so one interesting thing which we found uh, while listening to the podcast itself is that your episodes have been created to an NFT. So yes, if I am a creator and not as a if, even if I'm an artist or I'm a musician, how do I make my art an NFT and how do I get into the zone and how do I start well trying to sell my art as an NFT as well? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a very um, interesting question. The thing is that with NFT, um, with NFTs, you need an um, an mm-hmm. audience who understands it and who is going to um, who is going to value it and who um, who engages in your community enough that they will buy it. Um, you know, one of the reason why board ape yacht club got so big and each of their nft sells for millions of dollars which is like crores of rupees you know um each one sells for 20 30 crore rupees um it's because um they created this amazing community and they gave access to people to this community so it's just like being part of a super expensive exclusive community or a golf course or something where you will get to network with um with the the big bosses of everyone um and it's it's just like um access it's just that's what harvard did or that's what stanford did or that's what um universities did in us and now um these sort of nft projects are doing so anyone can go and create and mint their own nft on um, say a platform like OpenSea or SolSea or this, there's hundreds. Um, just yesterday, I interviewed um, the founder of a startup that builds the tools that developers use to create NFT marketplaces. And just his um, startup has um, they've enabled over 16,000 projects in Web3 and over 1,000 NFT marketplaces. So you get there's at least 1,000 plus marketplaces and uh, yeah. NFT marketplace startups. And so there's so many, there's so many out there. Um, there's thousands. You just go and do a Google search. Um, so if you are a music artist, there are music specific NFT yeah. marketplaces. You go there. If you you find your niche, you find where your community lives, you create it there and then you go from there. Yeah. Like uh, if you don't go to like minded people to sell your product, they wouldn't buy it. Anyways. Exactly. It's just, it's, yeah. That's, that's um, overall anywhere in any industry. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you, Sam. Firstly, this has been good. This is a good introduction to our audience because, especially as our audience is filled with students, so it's us. We yes. are college students. We are very. We are in a third year right now, out of four years, and we, our audience is mostly of our same age, if, a bit juniors or seniors, and basically everyone's a student. And uh, that's great. That's great. So, for us, this is like a great introduction. So we have this one segment where we have our audience ask some questions for you. Sure. And sure. I'll just present them. First question is by Abhinav. And he yeah. asks, how long before Web3 is adopted by enough people to make it completely independent of the Web2 ecosystem? Oh, that is such a good question. Oh, no, yeah. one, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, but yeah. I, I would say that it will take some time and you know what it might not ever be independent because a lot of the the founders on the ground that i'm speaking with and these are like really 
big 12 funded startups they are all going to be um unicorns they're all going to be billion dollar startups and and they are building things that are like a bridge that are like two way so they are not only thinking about the the web3 current audience they are also um thinking about bridging the gap for the web2 just like i say um talked about uh, securitized tokens so securitized tokens is making the the shares of a company into sort of uh, um tokens and then you buy those tokens and stuff so that that's a multi trillion dollar market globally and they are bridging the gap between the the old school sort of web2 and web3 so there will be a lot more projects and there are people like so you know even like an nft when you mint an nft you can store that data on a decentralized um database a blockchain database like arweave arweave is another project um and yes. that will live all around the web it will be just um or you can stay um you can do some sort of a hybrid solution where it is stored in aws or somewhere and then the data is called so um so there will be a lot more these type of hybrid projects like bridging the old um with the with the new and and it will be all like sort of super connected it will yeah it's just if you look at like um how many millions of businesses they all have their accounting and everything in the old school way um and they might just choose to retain it because i know there are a lot of people who still haven't even moved to web 2 they still use pen and paper you, you wouldn't believe the the opportunity because i work for an um software development agency and the number of inquiries every day for people who still use pen and paper all around the world for so many things um and yeah. so there's still a huge opportunity to even develop saas products for the web 2 world <laughs> um having said that things move a lot faster in the in the web 3 but yeah, yeah anyway good question yeah so shamisha has asked how would web 3 work like what could be the possible negative impacts of the same yeah so um web 3 sort of one of the thing it works is it um it democratizes pretty much nearly any concept that you want and decentralizes things so um centralized centralization has its pros and cons decentralization also has its pros and cons so that's one of the thing and that is one of the thing is just like how earlier we were talking as is, is that there are a huge number of scams in this space because there's so many and on top of that it is so decentralized there is you cannot go to the customer service of you can go to the customer service of facebook or a, or a you know hsdc bank or something like that you you are on a completely decentralized platform you are sending money yeah. to some random person or some random person you work for someone um on the internet like remote you do some admin work proofreading translation whatever and they are support or de- design and then they are supposed to send you money and they say hey i sent you and maybe something was wrong in your wallet address you made a mistake or they made a mistake or they put one more digit copy pasting or something and then what who do you go to yeah. there is no <laughs> there is no um yeah um, you, you cannot yeah it's like you, you they're going to send you dogecoin can you go and ask uh, elon musk to hey can you give me some dogecoin my dogecoin got lost there, there is nothing there, yeah so yeah. There, there are massive massive things issues there around um around that but having said that 
there is um like you don't have to rely on a on a bank account or anything yeah. you could just get a digital wallet and if you're not buying if you're working for someone overseas like just remote job and they are just sending you money you don't need anything you don't need a bank account you don't need id you don't need anything <laughs> it's just yeah so pros and cons for everything <laughs> exactly exactly everything must have so sarthak has asked can crypto assets really function as money will that ever happen that everyone is just using crypto um um i don't i don't know it's like it's um it is it is absolutely okay so the first there's two questions can they function as money they already function as money i have paid yeah. i had to pay people because they work in from nigeria or some other like azerbaijan they don't have paypal in azerbaijan i yeah. um someone was doing some development work for me um from there and so i had to use cryptocurrency to to send it to them um and so it already functions as money there, there is no doubt about it millions of people use it around the world for money whether it is to buy nfts or whether to buy assets in metaverse or buy one of the physical products or or even services all around the world it already works as money the question is will it own will it be the only money possible um the thing is that there is currently an explosion in the number of currencies and tokens um but few strong one will make the majority of the market over long term so for um example it's like um you know for an exchange just like there's no one currency even though we have, we have so many countries there's so many currencies you can have usd you can have rmb indian rupees um you know british sterling pound euro there's so many so many currencies around the world and if you see then on forex exchanges the top 10 make majority of all the <clears throat> all the transactions when it comes to buying and selling and stuff so so same thing in crypto the top 10 will make the majority of the transactions um there will be a lot more currencies every central bank in the world is going to introduce their own cryptocurrency whether it is the chinese central bank the indian sort of reserve bank everyone ev- eventually maybe in 3 to 5 years everyone will have their own digital currency um and that's when the thing is um in india it's cash is still used but um living in new zealand for last 20 years most of the times i have like um last 20 years i've always had like probably zero maybe one dollar or coin or two dollar <laughs> i had no cash i lived pretty yeah. much without cash for the last 20 years all money is anyway digital yeah. all gets transferred digitally in banks it's not you know when you move money from one account to another you pay your employee your friend anyone no one is going from the bank by taking carrying that much cash to another yeah. bank <laughs> it doesn't it's all digital anyway like you know yeah. 90, 95% is just digital anyway so yeah, exactly yeah. yeah so this is just digital money not controlled by banks it's completely yeah. independent that's the yeah. only difference yeah exactly so coming to the last segment of our episode yes. and this is basically like it consists of two questions and these are the questions we ask all our guests so sure. the first question is what is the best mistake that you have ever made like a mistake which amounted into a very positive thing or a very good learning um the best mistake is um you can say um taking a pay cut <laughs> um because um when i sold my um 
my first sort of business. Um, I was doing financially very well, and I took a massive pay cut to go and work in in esports. Um, and later on, ended up becoming CEO of that company and stuff. But that's a long story. Um, and that is, I did that because I wanted to improve. I wanted to learn. I wanted to go and and work in in US and all that stuff. And that enabled me to to do that and get all these experience work in Silicon Valley and all that and stuff. So, um, so yeah, definitely that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so the second question is: uh, Is there a book or a movie that you watched, or not one? Like there could be multiple books yes. that really changed your opinion on something, or really changed your life in a way. Um, so many, so many um, books. Um, I like a lot of work by Seth Godin. Um, I, it hasn't changed my view so much because my um, view was already quite aligned with what a lot of things he said. Um, um, Sapiens um, is quite good. Um, then Zero to One is quite good as well. That did change a few of my thinking. One of the things yeah. that it did change is that um, competition is for losers. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, um, you know, the startups that yeah. um try to say that um that are sort of uh, pretty much basically the thing is that you go and create monopolies that's yeah. that is the aim of the aim of yeah. the game um most of the big companies that you see are monopolies but they try really really hard to be seen as yeah. they are not monopolies like you know google um um is to not get in trouble from the um, SEC or or other sort of anti-monopoly bodies around the world, what it says is that oh, our search volume is only 66%, but then the remaining, um, out of the remaining 34%, 30% is YouTube. So the, the YouTube and Google, they're the two biggest search engines in the world. And yeah. maybe now it's changed, but this is a few years ago. Um, yeah. So monopolies always try to hide and they say, oh, we've got lots of competition. We are not monopolies. And whereas yeah. the, the startups that are really struggling, they always try to say, oh, no, no, we are um, we have so many unique selling points and we are the only one and no one else yeah. is doing that. So so that's what he is saying is that that's how, okay. you know, that's how he knows that, OK, this is um, <laughs> what is true and what's not. So pretty much go and build monopolies and all these big businesses you see. And that's what pretty much Amazon did. Amazon started with books. I don't know. A lot of people remember yeah. that. Um, now it's all just AWS last five years. But when it started with books, it completely monopolized that. It completely ran every other bookstore out of business. All the other bookstores in, in all the rest of the world, like except India and Brazil and few places, all of them closed down borders and Barnes and Nobles and most of the bookshops yeah. closed down all around the world um, because it completely dominated. And now it's going and opening its physical shops. Amazon is opening in US. <laughs> um, so they, they are complete monopolies pretty much. Um, so create monopolies. Competition is for losers. Don't have competition. <laughs> Be a monopoly. <laughs> That's okay. what he's saying. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. No, now, now I understand. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. great. Thank you so much. Thank Have you. a great day. Thank you. You too. See ya. Bye.